We'll be working off the handouts and and uh, visiting a number of verses here and there. Probably not everything that's on here, because uh, any one of these passages we could spend a lot of time. <laughs> but uh, our topic as we continue through systematic theology. This is it's the section called identified as bibliology, the study of the Bible. And the topic, the topic today is Revelation. And I'll start it off with a brief little <clears throat> definition. Revelation is the act of God whereby he discloses to mankind what would otherwise not be known. There are two categories of revelation, natural revelation and special revelation. Now, let's start with natural revelation. Natural revelation, also called general revelation, is God revealing himself through creation and conscience. Let's look, at, uh, let's look at some of those. Let's look at natural revelation through creation. Psalm 19. I've got it written on the handout. just want to see who was uh, looking and who wasn't. Okay. Psalm 19.1. The heavens are telling of the glory of God. And their expanse, their expanse, declaring the work of his hands. I mean, it's, it's obvious to anybody that takes an honest look up at the heavens, the solar system, you know, the universe, whatever you can see. As a matter of fact, especially when Psalm 19 was written, no city lights of any kind, street lights, you could see a bunch. You could see a bunch. There's still places on this earth you can go and still see a lot. Um, this, the city is not one of them. Let's look at Romans 1. I think a lot of us know this, but I need to cover all these, these bases here. And if there's any questions, I'll do my best to answer. Romans 1, 18 to 20. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them. There's conscience. Uh, For God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, uh, being understood through what what, what what, what has been made, so that they are without excuse. I mean, the creation just speaks of a, if you will, higher power, a God. All right, um, and again, it takes special revelation, however, to define who that higher power is. You, you're not going to find those kind of answers in general revelation. Ah, you can see there is a God, and then man, without sin, man uh, that wants to, that deals with this wants to deal find God would seek after God. Sinful man could care less. And we, that is so evident today. And it, I know I've, I've said this before, but it marvels me that when um, people of science, more than anybody else, should understand the fact that there must be a God. Something this intricate as the solar system or the human body. It just, or, or bodies of animals for that matter, you know, cells and everything. They, you know, just to think that one day an explosion happened and it all just kind of came about, please. <laughs> please. 
<laughs> that just does not make sense on any level, scientific or any otherwise. That's just kind of, to me, I, I find that a little bit insane, actually. Okay, natural revelation through conscience. We, we already saw that, Romans one eighteen, But um, Romans 2, 14 to 15 says, uh, For when Gentiles who do not have the law do instinct." do instinctively the things of the law, these not having the law are the law to themselves. In what they show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience bearing witness, and their thoughts alternately accusing or else defending them. Again, conscience can tell you, you know, the fact that the most vile among us, deep down in their heart of hearts, know right from wrong. They know right from wrong. And you notice in all civilizations throughout, from history, go back into history, through all different civilizations worldwide, man has always been very religious. Okay, very religious. Um, in, a, in a wrong direction, of course, but very religious nonetheless. Now, general revelation in Scripture, first point, we already saw that, it only condemns. General revelation only condemns. When you read it in Scripture, hey, the facts, the, 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 the facts that a God exists is out there, and man is condemned for not seeking him. Okay? You, see, you read that through Scripture. And then general revelation uh, harmonizes with Scripture, but produces no new material. All right? The, the solar system is in harmony with what we read in Scripture, especially when we read the parts about God being the creator. All right? Uh, and it also the third bullet point there in its perceived message needs to be confirmed by scripture so whatever like when you again um, the fact that creation points to the fact that there must be a God however special revelation is still necessary to point out just who that God is that, that's you're not going to read that out of the stars you're not going to get a name floating down out of heaven. It, that has to be done through special revelation. Okay. What's that? Yes, that's how we have it. We've, we're, we're at the end of the line on all this revelation right here. Of course, there's, there's more coming. But anyway, yes. And then uh, general revelation is never equated with Scripture by Scripture. So the General revelation is not put on an equal footing with special revelation. Now let's go to special revelation. Hebrews, and I've got this one in the handout as well. Hebrews 1, 1 and 2 says, God, after he, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many ways, in these last days has spoken to, to, <clears throat> spoken to in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things through whom he made the earth. Now, <clears throat> oh, I dropped the whole term there it should have been many portions in many ways anyway many portions uh, or parts in other words this is a direct reference to the Old Testament the 39 books in the Old Testament are composed of law history wisdom and prophets okay and in those portions the many ways there's a variety of communication methods for example direct communication visions and dreams prophecy types and symbols parables historical narrative etc Okay, and even um, revelation by way of angels. So there's a lot of special revelation that God has sent to mankind. Let's look at some of those. Special revelation through direct communication. Let's go back, way back to Genesis 3. 
this this revelation came as direct communication from God to Adam and Eve. Don't know if I'm going to read all of it, but uh, start at verse 9. Then the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he says, I heard the soul, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid myself. And he said, Who told you you were naked? And <clears throat> have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, the, <laughs> got, got to go with this one. The woman whom thou gave to me, <laughs> she gave me from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me. And I, you know, so everybody's, before they even had money, they're passing the buck, right? <laughs> they're, they're just passing it down. The, well, I, you know, oh, this woman, and oh, it's a snake. <laughs> you know, and so they just kept passing it down the line. We, we won't go any further. We'll be coming back to that at a, in future lessons. But uh, uh, when, we, when we get into things like sin and the fall, but... Uh, and then look at verse chapter 4 in, in, in uh, Genesis. He directly spoke to Cain. Um, then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Remember his, uh, his uh, bad offering was rejected. So he, said, <clears throat> he says, Why are you angry? Why has your countenance fallen? If, if you do well, will not your countenance or your, your facial expression be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and its desires for you, but you must master it. And well, again, that's going to come up later too. And then we know about Noah, uh, Genesis 6, 13. Then God said to Noah, the end of the, all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. And behold, I am about to destroy them with the earth. And so and it goes on and on. And we know about Abraham. We're not going to turn there, but. Abraham, Genesis chapter 12, and just follow it right on through. He, you, he, goes, he's there. he verbally communicates with Abraham. He communicated with Sarah. He communicated with Hagar. He communicated with um, um, <clears throat> Isaac, you know, Isaac, Jacob, all of them. Just, you can just see that all through Genesis. Then you get to, we didn't, I don't have it here, but God, Moses, remember he... he uh, Talked to Moses, you know, through the burning bush. Uh, and he also spoke to him when he gave him the Ten Commandments. Spoke to him again, and then, and then off and on. So you just look through the life of Moses, the uh, uh, verbal communication. Went for, and also, let's look at Acts chapter 9. The same thing, not as much, but in the New Testament, the early church. Acts chapter 9. God had verbal communication with a fellow at the time. His name was Saul, later changed to Paul. So 9, 3 to 6, and it came about that as he journeyed, he was approaching Damascus, and suddenly light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting but rise and enter the city and it shall be told told you what you must do that again so again it's it goes on from there uh, and again the conversation will continue later but anyway um, that's it direct communication it it's there and that was one method now there's another one special revelation through dreams and vision 
And you, all this adds up to where the scriptures actually came from. Well, we can, we're, we're, in, we're in Acts, so Acts chapter 9, verses 10 through 16. Now, there's a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, in a vision. Remember, the Lord said, spoke, but in a vision this time. Um, Behold, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight, and inquire to the house of Judas for a man from, from Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he, has, and, and, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay, lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. And then Ananias continues. And I said, Lord, uh, I have heard from him about him. And then he talks about his, his, he shares his concerns about this guy, Saul, because he was tormenting and terrorizing the church. And then the Lord responds in that about, hey, he's different now. Just go, go for it. Do what I tell you. Now, and then Acts 16. Like I say, we just can't read all of these. But you're familiar with a lot of these, a lot of these accounts in Scripture where uh, God has intervened and spoken. 16, 9, 9 and 10. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. And a certain man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. And again, they were praying about where to go, where to go. And, you know, um, you know, Paul had in mind that he wanted to go to Spain. They wanted to go here. Let's go to, you know, Arabia. Let's go to, you know... Um, this, that, and the other thing. <clears throat> and uh, so he, in a vision, says, go to Macedonia. And if you follow that story, what happened is, by going to Macedonia, the gospel was first introduced in the continent of Europe. So that was a big move. And God says, go that way. He was talking about going to Asia and other places, and God said, nope, got a dream. Go to Macedonia. So they went to Macedonia. And then Genesis 15, I won't turn there for the sake of time, but Genesis 15, again, we're moving in, into the Abrahamic covenant, extremely important part of Scripture. We covered that in, in eschatology. Daniel 7, Daniel 8, um, through visions and dreams, Daniel got some very uh, extensive prophecies about the end times. Um, let's look at Amos and Obadiah 1.1. They both essentially say the same thing, but uh, Amos 1.1 says, The words of Amos, who was among the shepherds, sheepherders from Tekoa, which is envisioned in visions concerning Israel in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, and in the days of Jerobim, son of Joash, king of Israel, two years before the earthquake. Again, so he envisioned, envisioned. So he got from the Lord, and then the next book, over Obadiah, the vision of Obadiah, thus says the Lord of God concerning Edom. And he goes on, he gives a whole prophecy about Edom and Edom's future. But again, uh, visions was a very common method that the prophets received much of what they wrote down to us. And again, that's how the word came about. And then special revelation through, through theophanies. Okay, now theophany is a theological term referring to an appearance of God in some tangible form. It comes from the Greek theos, meaning God, and phanin, meaning to appear. Makes sense? God appears. Okay. <clears throat> We've seen it. It's in Genesis 17 and 18. 
Now, if you remember there, up there, remember, God came. Well, let's go back there. Let's, let's go back. That's it's Genesis. It's easy to find, right? No problem finding the book. It's getting to that chapter. There we go. Speaking of the, this is a theophany, 17.1 through 22. Again, don't know if we're going to read it all, but when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. And I will establish my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I will make you the father of a multitude of nations, and I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I'll make nations of you. Kings shall come from forth from you, and I'll establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant. We, we've been through, we were thrown in eschatology. It's so important to understand these covenants because the final fulfillment of this covenant is going to happen in the millennium and also roll over right into the new heaven and new earth, which is the is he the eternity? Okay? And so, again, you just read that. And he's moving around through here. And, he, and he, this, the Lord, he talked about um, eight, uh, chapter 18, verse 1. Now the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre while he was sitting in the tent door of his day. And when he lifted up his eyes and looked, behold, three men were standing opposite him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door and bowed himself down to him and said, My Lord. If now I have found favor put your in your sight, please do not pass by your servant. Please let her. Anyway, come down, verse 5, break bread. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, Quickly prepare three measures of fine flour, knead it, and make bread cakes. So then Abraham ran. He just, again, he take care of him. He went through there. Verse 11, Now Abraham and Sarah were old and advanced in age. Sarah was past childbearing. And Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I have become old, shall I have... Shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being also old also? And the Lord said to Abram, Why did Sarah laugh? Okay. Now here's the Lord, physically there. Some people call, some people name this theophany. Actually, they get a little bit more they, specific. They call it a Christophany, a pre-incarnate. And I, I agree that that's, I agree this is a pre-incarnate visitation of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Okay. Before he was officially given that name, through the reincarnation. This is again, this is the appearance of the second person of the Trinity prior to his actual incarnation being born. Well, yeah, he could have just Yeah, he, he could have just said uh, he just look at the table and go, "Lunch." And there it is. <laughs> he doesn't even need the loaves and fishes. He just, you know. <laughs> but seriously, um but that's, I think it's amazing, and when we get into actually the, another theological topic, Christology, the study of Christ, there's so much in this Old Testament concerning his deity that just one thinks about it. it, it it's so obvious, and it's just um, so telling. And then Exodus 3, 
Uh, we're in Genesis, so Exodus 3 is not a stretch. 3, 1 to 9. Um, 3, 1 to 9 says, Now Moses was pasturing the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not being burned, not burned up. Now there's a, there's a theophany, the burning bush. And then the voice of the Lord came out of that burning bush. That's a theophany. Okay? And... Um, and he just and the Lord spoke through that burning bush, and that burning bush just again the the, bur- the bush is on fire, but yet it's not being it's just burning and burning and burning and burning and not being consumed. Okay, that there's a little bit of a miracle, wouldn't you say? But uh, it's just that. But that's a theophany, and there there's others, but uh, just to give you an idea what those things are, um, and then we got special revelation through angels. Now we've. Remember Daniel 9, 20 through 27? That's a huge one. That's where the angel Gabriel came and gave him the, the, uh, <clears throat> the prophecy concerning the 70 weeks, which is one of those that we saw how critical that was in understanding prophecy. If you don't get Daniel, forget about it. <laughs> Just forget about it. I mean, that's like the, the skeleton for prophecy. Um, and then another one. Um, Let's look at Luke, Luke chapter 1. We get some New Testament. There's a lot of angelic activity in the Old Testament and in the New as well. Luke 1, 11 through 19. Now here's uh, Zacharias, the priest, in the temple doing his sacrifice thing. Verse 11 and an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. And Zacharias was troubled when he saw him, and fear gripped him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your, <clears throat> for your petition has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John. And you will have joy and, and gladness, and many will rejoice at, at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will drink no wine or liquor. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. Um, and I will, and he will turn back to many of the sons of Israel uh, to their God, and it is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of righteousness so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know for certain? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. Okay. And the angel answered, said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you to bring you this good news. And he just goes on and says, because you didn't believe me, you're going to be quiet for a while until this all takes place. And then move forward again in, in chapter 1 to verse 26. You have this same angel Gabriel appearing to Mary and explaining to her what's going on. Um, and that person we know that to uh, Zacharias he was the father of John the Baptist and Elizabeth was a relative of hers Um, and now we go here to 26 where where 
the fact that she's with child needs a little explaining, wouldn't you think, to a, to a young girl that's possibly eh, 14, 15, 16, somewhere in there back in those days, okay? Could have been that young. And so, especially being engaged in a time where that shouldn't be the case, and then in, um, and we know another time, another, another vision, or a dream, I should say, in the New Testament was, remember, Joseph had a dream and was spoken to about, hey, in Matthew, don't, don't divorce, don't get rid of Mary, she's fine, everything's okay. And then chapter 2 of Luke, 2, 8 to 15, here we have more, an angel shows up and speaks to the shepherds. And then a multitude of angels just burst out praising God in the heavens to those shepherds. And again, but you know what? That, that, tells, me, that, that tells me something right there. All that angelic activity surrounding the incarnation of our Lord is a big deal. And you know, no matter what they say out there, we should celebrate Christmas. It was a big deal to God that he sent multitudes of angels to help celebrate the thing. And announce it. So it's a it's a it's a big because some say, well, it was only mentioned in two gospels. They go, only? I mean, how many times does something have to be said to be true? You know, or important? <laughs> yeah, one time. You know, um, and the fact that this angelic accompaniment to it all is um, makes to me makes it really. It points the fact points out the fact that it's super special. And then one more and another angelic again in Luke. Luke 24, and this is uh, one of those favorite post-resurrection passages that I have. Luke 24, 4 through 7 says, here's the um, ladies appear at the tomb. And it happened that while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling apparel. That means bright, shiny, glowing, okay? Uh, I believe angels often came that way because that kind of like they were like reflectively were showing the glory of God just because they, they are in his presence quite often, okay? And as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, these men said to them, and I love this, why do you seek the living one among the dead? Okay. He is not here, but he is risen. And I love this. And then it's, it's a little bit of very gentle schooling. Okay. It says, remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day risen again? And in much defense of these ladies, he said that a whole lot more often to the men that didn't get it either. So, <laughs> so we don't want to go, we don't go mean mouth on the women, right, guys? <laughs> but I mean, it's just it's 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 interesting, you know. You know, another post-resurrection passage. Why I think that why they didn't get it and didn't understand it fully till later. I, was, I think that was God's intended will, that they wouldn't get it right away. I'm not sure, exactly sure why, because we're not told. But um, it, uh, it says later on that he, 
when he spoke to them, he opened their minds to receive. And we'll be getting to that down the road too. But, uh, and then, of course, revelation through the prophets. So I'd like to look at, look at Samuel, the first prophet. And that's 1 Samuel 3, 19 and 20. And we know the prophets. I mean, that goes without saying. We understand that. We've got much written by them. <clears throat> 1 Samuel three nineteen and 20. Thus Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fail. See that? Samuel the prophet, and let none of his words fail. Sign of a true prophet, by the way. Um, and the Lord appeared again at Shiloh, because the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. And then in 2 Samuel, we've got Nathan, the prophet, in 2 Samuel 7, 2 to 17, where Nathan recites to David the Davidic covenant. That's very important. We won't go there. Um, and then, of course, we've got Jeremiah. Let's look at Jeremiah 1 on our way back to the... Jeremiah 1, 4, and 5 that says, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Behold, I formed you in the womb. <clears throat> before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you, and I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Alas, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, because I am a youth. <clears throat> but the Lord said to me, do not say I'm a youth, because everywhere I send you, you shall go. In all that, the, all that I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. And he, he said, then the Lord stretched out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. Okay. See, I have appointed you to this day over the nations and over the kingdoms to, to pluck up and to break down, to destroy, and to overthrow, to build, and to plant, verbally. <laughs> and he's going to speak the word of the Lord to just those things, how, hey, this nation's going to fall, this nation's going to rise, this nation's under judgment, this one's going down. I mean, that was Jeremiah. And unfortunately, that was happened to his own nation. That's why they call him the weeping prophet. He had the ultimate sorrow to, to watch the temple and everything be flattened, destroyed. It was awful. Right, right. Hey, I look at it this way. As long as we have breath, we can speak. You know, we may not, our legs may not work, but as long as we have breath, we can speak. We can speak. Yeah, yeah and that's the thing. He wants, uh, he wants mankind to work. Uh, and labor, um, yeah. I I don't see any welfare program in here, but anyway. Um, <clears throat> now we don't need. We know we're going to touch on these in later lessons. But uh, warning: there's multitudes of warnings in the Old and New Testament concerning false prophets, false teachers. They're everywhere. I put just put a few here. Deuteronomy 13 talks about hey, you know. A prophet, if a guy claims to be a prophet in the Old Testament and fails, it's the uh, capital punishment for that guy. Yeah, he's not disqualified. He's discontinued. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 his, yeah, they pull his ticket and then, and then some. But, uh, and then um, Revelation through the Apostles. Let's look at, let's look at uh, John 16. Revelation through the Apostles. Here again, this is part of that upper room, which is commonly called the upper room discourse. And um, <clears throat> Jesus speaking to the eleven, Judas is gone by this time. Judas is gone. Speaking to the eleven, and that's that's important, said this, verses 13 through, and we we'll just pick up a little bit. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, remember, spirit of truth, you know, Jesus and the scriptures, but Jesus, you know how he never minced words? He said, he was very specific about a lot of things. Uh, the spirit of truth. Why do you add that? Because of what's coming next. When the, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak of his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. And <clears throat> he shall glorify me, for he shall take of mine and shall disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he, that's the Holy Spirit, takes of mine and will disclose it to you. And other passages, Jesus says, hey, later on, all these things will be brought to your remembrance. You're going you're gonna to remember all these things you were taught for these three plus years. You're gonna, it's all going to come back. And the spirit of truth is going to be part of that that's going to bring him back. Uh, and um, I'll tell you, again, this is like a... This is like, before they even started writing, this, this is Jesus validating the apostles. Okay? Validating the apostles. And then, we better turn there, because I left out a few. Hebrews chapter 1. Of course, revelation through Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, um, <clears throat> we're talking about, you know, Revelation that uh, that comes by way of direct communication. You know where the biggest group of direct communication revelations are found? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. When Jesus spoke, God spoke. Think about that. You're talking about direct communication from God. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's all over the place. I mean, it's, we get a lot, a lot of direct communication from God. And even this, <clears throat> even the communication through theophanies and angels, that is direct communication. When you get to the Bible, that is communication. We're going to see that next week more under inspiration. Uh, but, I mean, this, this, and that's going to be like the theme of looking at inspiration. And then it moves into authority in Scripture that, you know, when you read the scripture, it's God speaking. I mean, it, we are so fortunate. Hebrews 1. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in the his is an italics, in son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the world. And again, we see Jesus as the Son of God, but don't forget that Son of God 
also holds another position that we maybe don't speak of enough, that his, he holds another position as being the second person in the triune God, okay, along with the Father and the Spirit. I mean, we, we sometimes fail to bring that out enough, I think, that this is our, uh, our Savior is something. That's why when you put that in mind, they, when people say, you know, talk about things like, well, Jesus never said homosexuality was a sin. Oh, Jesus Christ is the second person of the triune God. Read the Old Testament. If it's in there, Jesus said it. He's part of the, he's part of the Godhead. Okay? Think about that next time somebody gives you a little snippet on that. You can give me a little snippet back. In a very nice way, yes. In a very other sense. Yeah, I don't know these. You know, you know, say it in love, right? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I mean, in all, of course, you know, speaking of Jesus, we know John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. Verse 14, the Word became flesh. Revelation 19, when he comes back, what's that name written on him? The Word of God. I mean, it's just Jesus, the living Word. Uh, John 1, 3, where it talks about him doing the creating. And then you get Genesis 1, 3. How did the universe come into being? Let there be light. Let, he said, let it be, and it happened. Day two, let it be, it happened. Let it be, it happened. You know, and he spoke this thing into existence. He didn't, have, he didn't need to run down to Home Depot and pick up materials. He spoke it. Matter of fact, if he needed Home Depot, he could have spoke that into existence. But he didn't need it. Didn't need it. And I put a little thing on the end there about a progressive revelation, revelation kind of being progressive, and that means latter revelation, what progressive revelation is, is that is latter revelation that is built on earlier revelation that uh, thus it contains truths that were not previously known. We saw that a lot in prophecy, where you have a portion, and I use here as a, to me a good example, where you're in like Genesis 3, 15, you got the seed of the woman, and you move through scripture, oh, Isaiah 7, 14, a virgin shall bear a son, okay, you kind of see it building, and then uh, and we get, by the time you get to Matthew, the virgin's name is Mary, the son will be named Jesus, and he will be called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. So about the, the seed of the woman that's going to stomp the head of the serpent is eventually going to be called Emmanuel. And, and you see what I mean? So you see these little things, that just progressive revelation, you get more information as the scripture comes to life. Again, we have the distinct advantage of being at the, I believe, the completion of the canon of scripture and we've got it all we've got it there's no reason we should want wander around wondering what's going on you know so we've got it we need to read it let's uh close the word of prayer father god we thank you lord for this time together and lord we pray that we would again spend more time in your revealed word and again lord may we do so and as a result become better servants for you In Jesus' name we pray, amen.